0: Okay. Hello there, my friends. Welcome. Merry Christmas to you and your family. We're on December 27th, and I'm going to do the uh, scripture readings for uh, the, the feast day of St. John the Apostle and Evangelist. St. John the Apostle and Evangelist. Now, <clears throat> what do we know about him? This is obviously John's son of Zebedee, along with his brother big james as traditionally called they're also known as sons of thunder they were given this name by the lord because of their um, bias and prejudice towards the, Samari- the the samaritan people when they were time in Samar- uh, in samaria uh, this was an ethnic group of people that um sprouted after um when the Babylonian uh, or the Syrian captivity of the of the northern part of the kingdom of Israel and the Babylonian, I think during the time, the, also the Babylonian captivity, they were, um, the Jewish people that were left there took into marriage, got into marriage, into marriage with the Babylonian and Syrian people and a new ethnic group was born called uh The area was called Samaria to begin with. But what happened was it basically also became the name of a a hybrid people, uh, lack of a better word, of of intermixing. And sort of like they corrupted uh, a corrupted form of Judaism. Uh, It was still Judaism. Um, What is interesting, I read from uh, several scholars, is that um, yes, there was a corruption of Judaism. And then what, what happened was there was also a battle, I think, that happened among the Samaritan people uh, where one form was corrupted with paganism. Another form wanted to recapture a more orthodox form of the, of the faith. But unfortunately, you know, there were still vast differences between the two. But eventually, after the Maccabean Wars, uh, the more orthodox form of Samaritan practice, as close as possible to Judaism, became more dominant. They did have their own uh, temple that was destroyed the, during the Maccabean War. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's so much that we can we can say would happen. Um, the temple was perverted. The temple in Jerusalem was invaded by the more corrupt form of Judaism that the Samaritans practiced. They, brought, they practiced it with paganism. They uh, practiced necromancy, which was the bones of the dead that could tell you things. And they were punished by Mount Gerizim. The, the temple was destroyed. But Jesus still, and during his ministry in his early days, wanted to go down to Samaria. And the story of the Samaritan woman we know about. And he spent some couple of days with them. And he taught in their synagogues. So he wanted to show the apostles that these people were still, they still, they, they were still human beings. And they were still people who seek the truth. They also believed in the Messiah. They only accepted the five books of Moses. The rest they, they didn't accept. Kind of similar to the... Um, Sadducees the Sadducees some of them only accepted the five books of Moses and no more they rejected the, um, the prophets and uh, all the other stuff which is interesting there's a lot there's a lot we're we're gonna have to examine one day why that was so anyway uh, along with the feast of Peter and James John was one of, was was in the inner group of, of apostles who were especially close to Jesus. John and his brother James earned the title Sons of Thunder. John is traditionally regarded as the author of the fourth gospel and the apostle of love. Tradition also holds that he is the only one of the apostles who was never martyred. Okay, so this is going to be uh, episode 213. This is the informed Catholic, and my name is Ned Jabbar. So let's begin. This is the, um, entrance antiphon. This is John who reclined on the Lord's breast at supper, the blessed apostle to whom celestial secrets were revealed and who spread the words of life through all the world. And then that was from, uh, kind of a combination, I'm guessing. And the, the, the second was actually Sirach. In the midst of the church, he opened his mouth and the Lord filled him with the spirit of wisdom and understanding and clothed him in the robe of glory. Okay. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us and forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Okay, now we go to the Gloria. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people for you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, uh, before we begin, um, this last Sunday, at um, the Basilica of Regina Apache, Monsignor Marino had his uh, uh, farewell uh, celebration and a mass he was uh, gonna retire in a couple of days uh, he's not it's not his last day but it was sort of like a Thanksgiving mass it was um, you know he's been there for 30 years and uh, he's been a priest uh, he's did a lot he worked a lot with uh, it's funny he told the story how he was accused of just sitting in the rectory and eating <laughs> well he he um, It wasn't true, I think, it's because, um, you know, he had a a lot of men, husbands over, guys with sort of like a group meeting thing or whatever. And um, some of the guys brought the pizza. So, (laughs) you know, he he was, um, it was, um, it was a celebration. I mean, for his service and everything, he's, he's um, reached their time and age and he chose the day of the Holy Family. And, um, you know, God bless him. Um, you know, he, he actually started the little shrine, um, uh, dedicated to the unborn. There's a little shrine, uh, in the Basilica chapel, little chapel where people can, there's a lot of photos, photos of, uh, babies, people who, uh, struggling, praying for that child and uh, it's beautiful because you see all the photos. And he said a story about a woman who was Protestant one time who came from another state and she saw on a channel uh, Regina Apache and she came with her husband and she prayed. She tr- they tried everything, every medical possibility, and it wasn't happening and they were losing hope. And when she saw the chapel and she saw, she came over to her husband, took a taxi, drove all the way from Manhattan. They were in Manhattan, getting, um, medical, uh, treatment to try to have, to get pregnant. And they came all the way to Brooklyn and she got there and she found the chapel exactly as she saw on TV and went in and prayed. And she visited the Basilica and she prayed a long time. Her and her husband prayed a long time in front of the statue of the blessed mother, and lo and behold, a couple of months later, that child they've been waiting for, and they became Catholic. So, you know, miracles do happen. They do happen. They may not happen with the pomp and glory that Hollywood likes to put into these things, but it happened. And, you know, it's a wonderful thing he did there, you know, and there were other things he worked on. He was, uh, for the diocese of Brooklyn that he should be commended for. So, you know, he, I don't think it's easy, obviously being a priest. Sometimes you don't know how much to get involved with people, especially in the times like this, in the culture that we live in, where there's so much, so much negativity and so much suspicion and unfortunately your scandal and overshadowed by the bad priests and the bad bishops that have really uh stained and 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 you know um, ruined the image of the priest and this is the times that we live in it's the times that we live in and there's times that we have to uh, we have to work really hard to fix that. All right, let's continue. Let's begin with the first reading. A reading from the first letter of St. John, chapter 1, verse 4. What was what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. A reading from the beginning of the first letter of St. John. Beloved, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we looked upon and touched with our hands concerns the word of life for the life was made visible we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim to you the eternal life that was with the father and was made visible to us what we have seen and heard we proclaim now to you so that you too may have fellowship with us For our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. We are waiting. We we are writing this so that you, that our joy may be complete. One more time, beloved. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we looked upon and touched with our hands concerns the word of life for the life was made visible. We have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was made visible to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim now to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. For our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing this so that our joy may be complete. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Psalm 97 Rejoice in the Lord, you just. The Lord is king, let the earth rejoice, let the many isles be glad. Clouds and darkness are around him, justice and judgment are the foundations of his throne. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his justice, and all people see his glory. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. Light dawns for the just, and gladness for the upright of heart. Be glad in the Lord, you just, and give thanks to his holy name. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. One more time, the re- rejoice in the Lord, you just. Psalm ninety. I'm sorry, Psalm ninety-seven. The Lord is King. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many isles be glad. Clouds and darkness are around him. Justice and judgment are the foundations of his throne. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his justice, and all people see his glory. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. Light dawns for the just and gladness for the upright of heart. Be glad in the Lord, you just, and give thanks to his holy name. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. This was Psalm 97. Alleluia, alleluia. We praise you, O God. We acclaim you as Lord. The glorious company of apostles praise you. Alleluia, alleluia. We praise you, O God. We acclaim you. As Lord, the glorious company of apostles praise you. Alleluia, alleluia. This is taken from the TDM. TDM is a um, is in the liturgy. Of the hours. It's often said on Sundays, I believe. Um, it's a. Uh, I think it was a a a, um, a praise poem that was composed by tradition might say Saint Ambrose and Saint Augustine together. Uh, the gospel of John, uh, it's chapter 20 and it's starting from verse one and it goes to two and eight. The other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first, a reading from the Holy gospel according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloth there and the other cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloth, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciples, the disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One more time, reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 20, verse 1 to 2 and 8. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloth there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There's always, whenever you read John, uh, or read about John, he's there's always seems to be some kind of competition. You know, the one whom Jesus loved, the one who laid his head, uh, you know, uh, kneeled his head to Jesus' chest. Uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who stood at the foot of the cross. Uh, th- the disciple who ran to the tomb f- first before Simon Peter. There's always a sense of, of uh, uh, desperation to be the favorite. Um, Using him, James and John used their mother to try to gain a better position. Uh, teacher, in your kingdom, I ask you to put have one son on your right and one son on your left. You know, and then the other disciples kind of like came down on them because they tried to sort of like, uh, you know, uh get close to Jesus and place themselves above all the others. You know, you can see that. You can definitely see that. I mean, there's, you know, scholars notice it. Scholars themselves notice it. Theologians kind of notice it too. But this goes to show you how human and how much they loved him. You know, they loved him very much. And, you know, another interesting thing is, even though they all try to be his favorite, they try to, 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 to get a, a first place on his right side. Because, you know, back then, if you've seen eating at the table closer to the teacher, you see that Jesus often, he, he berated them because, you know, at, at dinner tables um, they try to take the closest position as possible to the teacher or to the high priest or to the rich man or whichever this person the person of authority and power who holds a high position in order to other people can see that you're close to him um the what's interesting about it is that it didn't matter Mary Magdalene got to see him first after uh, uh, after the resurrection but we also know, as they said, because, you know, the Gospels don't mention Jesus appearing to his mother, but you the silence said he did. Even before Mary Magdalene, you know he did. And the reason why it's not recorded in the Gospels, it's because it's too private. It's too intimate. Protestants and even um, opponents of Christianity, critics of Christianity, Enemies of Christianity would ask, "Why? Why is there nothing recorded about his, his, um, his appearance to his mother before even Mary Magdalene?" You know, I would say the fact that it's not recorded speaks volumes of truth that it did happen. It speaks of the intimacy. of God's relationship with Mary. I know it's supposed to be about John, but I think the fact that John himself would deflect at this moment, would say, not me, talk about this. We know that Simon Peter loved him. We know that John loved him. We know all the apostles loved him with their... Defects in them in their imperfections, but he did appear to his mother. And a good example of intimacy is look at her Magnificat Uh, My soul uh. magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he who is mighty has done great things to me. And holy be his name. Henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. That is intimate. My soul magnifies. My soul glorifies the Lord. My soul makes the Lord great. Because I, you know, she's saying I am tiny. I am nothing. But yet God is magnifies himself in my life. God has magnified my life. He's so big that I can't even contain him. And yet God came into me, took residence in me, made me his tabernacle, made me his ark of the covenant, made his home in me and my soul, my body, my being, my life. Uh, A woman. A woman. And God is her Savior. She is the Immaculate Conception. She was prepared before all time. And yet at the same time, she rejoices that God did this for her. In that culture, women were held at no regard. Nothing. Trust me, I know. I come from a Middle Eastern culture. In an Arab culture, Trust me, I've seen domestic abuses. I've seen how they talk to women. I've seen how they, they, they put down even their own mothers. I've seen it. I've seen it. The pride and the vanity and the honor of these men, the shallowness of their honor, the shallowness of their pride, the shallowness of their behavior. Is and yet it doesn't you know there's nothing, there's no there's no greatness of their honor. Trust me on this one. I've seen it in my father, I've seen it in my grandfather, they were both Muslim. You know, I've seen it. You know, it's the pettiness of it. It's there, there's a lot of penniness and then, and you wonder after their bad behavior of trying to fight for their honor they fight for their honor with no dignity it's garbage and, and still I bet you in that culture it was probably no different at the time Jesus had women be, become his disciples he was a revolutionary in a sense that he allowed them to follow he allowed women like Martha, like Martha uh, Lazarus' sister, to sit at his foot as a disciple and learn from him. He allowed a woman of ill repute, a, a prostitute, come up, kiss his feet and anoint his feet. He allowed a woman, Martha Lazarus' sister—I mean, I'm sorry, Mary Lazarus' sister—to come up and pour expensive spice oil over her, over his head and she wiped his feet with her hair <clears throat> all right you could see that you know they supported him they followed him they they provided for him he stops a funeral procession of a, uh, which was a, a a young man who died the only son of his mother he could see himself because he's the only son of his mother. And brings him to life and gives him back to his mother that day. He allowed a woman with, um, you know, internal bleeding, which made her spiritually and ritually unclean, ritually unclean. And he and he allowed her to touch him. He brought to life a little girl that died the same day. He healed a woman who had a horrible uh, deformity in her back, a crippling disease in a synagogue, and you know healed her. Uh, a woman who, who uh, uh, a Syro-Phoenician woman whose daughter was possessed. He healed her he healed her daughter, cast out a demon. And then, he allows a woman with a questionable questionable reputation to be the first one to see him. Possibly a a, a woman who is a prostitute, a woman who with a you know questionable reputation, we don't know she might be connected to all the other Marys, as some popes say they are. And I, and the thing is, you gotta you gotta you gotta really question it. There. Why am I talking about Mary Magdalene? Because I think this is important. It shows you, no matter how much John tried to be the first, tried to be his favorite, Jesus picks who he wants. Mary Magdalene was the first one to see him. And John would be the one to write about it. It's humbling. He's humbling John. He's humbling the apostles. In that world, people would laugh. Others would say, wait a minute here. That's that's a difficult story for me to tell. To say that it was a woman, a prostitute, a former prostitute that he appeared to, and not you guys? Yeah. That's a difficult story to tell. It's a diff, it's a dis, it's a very difficult testimony. They have to swallow their pride. They have to They have to really endure the ridicule. Endure the mockery and be brave and tell that story. Really tell that story. Really testify to the world that this is exactly how it happened. He appeared to Mary. Very different because in that culture, it is difficult. It's difficult to tell that story. It is. I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it, you know, I mean, you really have to be brave. I mean, it really, it, it's, it's, in, in a culture that's male dominated, I mean, you talk about today when they keep complaining about patriarchy, the patriarchy, the patriarchy. Jesus beat them to it first. And yet, even in this culture, They want to, what they call, rehabilitate Mary Magdalene. John, John the Apostle, had to swallow his pride and write that, bury his pride, and accept the fact that the Lord chose to do it this way. And so we get back to John by the fact of his bravery to tell the story this way. And instead of shining the spotlight on himself, he shined it on Mary Magdalene. And even Mary, the mother of the Lord, was not the one he wrote first about, because she chose not to put the spotlight on himself on, on, on herself. She let Mary Magdalene take the spotlight her testimony. And Mary Magdalene had to, as much as it was an honor, it was also a sense of humility, knowing that even though the spotlight was on her, it didn't wipe away her past. Yet God wanted her to be the one to testify that that she saw him. you see if the world wrote the story if the apostles wrote the story that he appeared to his mother first it would not exactly make an impression on us because oh well it makes sense he would appear to his mother after all the angel came to her first and the world would say yeah well the world would say you know of course they would design it that way you know the the little fairy tale the the, the critics would say that <clears throat> or if he appeared to the apostles first yeah that would be no oppression because then they'll say today, patriarchy. But instead, the story was told that the empty tomb was found by a former prostitute. And yet today, they attack the church and say they, they, they downgrade Mary Magdalene and they made up that she's a prostitute. Instead, the world runs after the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> right? the world runs after the Da Vinci Code and say that she was, Mary Magdalene was Jesus's wife or lover. And you tell and, and, and that's more believable for them and that the church had to downgrade Mary Magdalene and that the, the, um, the, the, the Last Supper by Da Vinci is that's Mary Magdalene over there. Look how feminine it's not John the Apostle. And you accuse the church, they accuse the church of making up fantasies of being conspiracy. I mean, it's kind of funny, but yes, I think John was a great a great disciple and brave disciple to write the way he did to take to take a knee. And be humble, and put the spotlight on her. I think the apostles were brave to to let Mary to put the spotlight on Mary Magdalene. I think Mary Magdalene was brave with all her imperfections and her bad reputation, her track record. To be the first. And imagine the, the ridicule The humility The humiliation That people said Why should I believe a whore? Why would I believe this story from you? You're a whore You're a prostitute You're garbage You're unclean You're unfit to be a man's wife You're unfit to be You're, you're unfit to you know, My eyes to look on That's how people would say would Speak this to her You know? They would say that uh, you're a woman of bad reputation. And yet, Jesus chose to appear to her. That's a brave woman. And even you have to really, really admire the mother of the Lord. Willingly to step aside... And we know her son would have appeared to her. But to stand there and support Mary and say, he wants the world to know that he appeared to you, Magdala. He's choosing you to be the first witness. And they have to write about it. They have to tell the world about it. That's... That makes the Christian faith true. You see? That's why it survives. And now, you're getting these people who want to hijack and say that, you know, she was probably a businesswoman. I mean... (laughs) Where's really where's the, you know where's the honor in that? Where's the inspiration for that for young girls who have gone who self sex trafficking? Where's the inspiration of that? Where's where is that? Mary was probably abused. We don't know all her story. We don't know her backstory. Her backstory could be anything It could be anyone. Maybe she was sexually abused as a child by a a relative. You know, maybe her parents died and someone took advantage of her and used her. Maybe she was raped by a Roman soldier. And she's had a bad life. And then suddenly, you know, she became bitter, angry, and maybe dark spirits entered her because of the fact of the world has has treated her badly. And then suddenly she meets this man from Nazareth who saw possibilities in her and redeemed her. Maybe the the show the chose was right. Maybe she had backsliding. Maybe she had doubts about being good enough to be a, a disciple. You know, maybe she did come from a good family. We don't know. We don't know. But we can say this: Jesus chose to chose to have the Holy Spirit chose to have her as the first witness. All gospels say the women went to the tomb first. That's a lot for those guys to, just to, to suddenly admit. To admit that they abandoned him at the Garden of Gethsemane. To admit one of them betrayed him. To admit the head leader of the apostles, the number one guy, denied him three times. To admit that one of their own hanged himself afterward. And to admit that they didn't believe that, that he resurrected. Right? Right? And to not, to not tell the story that he, that he may have appeared to his mother first before, before he appeared to a woman with a bad reputation, that's a lot. And you know what? It worked. It worked. Artists painted pictures. Homilies and sermons were, 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 were told. It takes a lot for a man to stand up in front of people and talk about a woman with a bad reputation. To say that she was the first and she became the apostle to the apostles, the messenger to the messengers. Popes have talked about it. Saints have talked about it. Theologians have talked about it. Historians have talked about it. But now we got cancel culture. We got the progressives and they know better than than God. Sorry. No, it's not going to work. The Jesus Seminar tried it they're not here anymore, and no one's gonna care. No one cares to listen to their books or their their nonsense. The History Channel tried with their nonsense and it didn't work. The Da Vinci Code came along and didn't work. The feminists, first wave, second wave, third wave, no one cares. All right. The Holy Spirit is 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 the only one that keeps us alive. Yes. John the Evangelist may have ran and beat Simon Peter to it first. But he gets, when he got to the finishing line, in the end, he had to step back, take a, you know, bow down and say, Mary, he appeared to you first. And I'm going to tell the world that you were the first one who got to see him. Mary and Magdala, he wants us to put you, to put the spotlight on you. The mother of the Lord. Is taking a step back and letting you be the first, be the one to be told that he appeared to you first. You're the one. Yeah. So yeah, John the John the Evangelist was a brave man. God bless him, and we we know this. Okay, so we're gonna go to the. Um, We're going to go to the uh, Gloria. I know it's probably not, I'm sorry, the Apostles' Creed. Let's start. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, circumstantial with the Father, who proceeds from the Father and the Son and with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Merry Christmas, everyone.